whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Man, and welcome back to another episode in this brand new year of the Man with the Plan podcast. Happy New Year to everyone who's listened to the show, everyone who's clicked, liked, subscribed, all that stuff. It's been a phenomenal 2023 on and off this show, and I'm just so appreciative and thankful that we get to continue to do this. So today, what we're going to talk about is the college football playoff. I'm going to give about 10, 15 minutes of my thoughts. And depending on how things work schedule-wise, I'm either going to have it out today, which is Tuesday, January 2nd, or it's going to be combined with an interview with Patrick Driscoll of Tiger Vision, which comes out tomorrow. His story is incredible, and I'm really excited to share that, recording that later this afternoon. So you guys can tell the podcast thing is rolling, and we're getting along the way. But today, we got to talk about what another just incredible year of college football playoff semifinals in its final year. We're burying into the ground, the four-team playoff system. We get another year of just really great football, complimentary football, really all that we can ask for. I feel like Washington and Texas, Alabama and Michigan, it was really a thrill ride from start to finish. You go from 5 o'clock to about 1 o'clock in the morning, nonstop college football action. Really, the committee, I think, it exemplifies they got it right. They really made the tough, but I think right decision to leave FSU out, regardless of how you feel. They had the four best teams out there, and it really showed. We had two different styles of football yesterday. We had a chess match between Harbaugh and Nick Saban, and then we had a fireworks show between Texas and Washington with Michael Penix and Quinn Ewers. Just dot, dots, 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 dots. It was awesome to watch. And I know it's awesome sounds really like a weird word to describe it, but it was truly like you're on a roller coaster where there's a lot of twists, a lot of turns, and it feels like you weren't on the ride for much long, for very long, but man, you won't forget that experience for the first time. I mean, we were just at Disney World with a family riding Tron for the first time, thinking, man, that was short, but wow, that was quite the experience going through all that, checking how they set up the ride. We got to this big peak with the selection show, lots of controversy, Michigan controversy, Alabama, did they deserve to be in? Michael Penix, Heisman Trophy conversations. Texas, Quinn Ewers isn't even getting interviewed in his own media day. So there were so many moving parts, and it came together for really two great football games. So let's start with Alabama and Michigan. Like I alluded to before, an absolute chess match between Harbaugh and Nick Saban. I think I'm just going to be clear. I was completely wrong on both of these games. I thought Texas and Alabama were more physical teams, and they eventually were going to take over. I thought Washington and Texas score-wise at least, reflected to what I thought it was going to be. I thought Alabama would have their, not fun necessarily, but I thought they would handle Michigan, who I believe to be one-dimensional as the season continued to progress throughout the uh, the year. And so for me, starting with Michigan, I thought they came out in the first half with a lot of energy. I think something that Harbaugh has been able to emphasize in the first two years compared to what we saw on the field yesterday was they got off to a really great start in the last Two semifinal games against Georgia and TCU, they combined for nine points. They had 13 in the first half. And I think when it came down to it, it was could they start fast and could J.J. McCarthy make plays against this Alabama defense that put on a show against Georgia, played perfect football against Georgia, that was riding two national championships and an unbelievable win streak. So when you look at that, I thought McCarthy made just enough plays to make it happen. Harbaugh, well, he, I think was a little bit outclassed by Nick Saban in the second half. Alabama started to run the football more. Jalen Milrow, they rolled him out a little bit better. They were able to make, I think at the first half, he was a little rattled, sacked five times, sacked only once in the second half. 
They ran the football more. They were more efficient with their drives. Every point mattered, came down to overtime, came down to two runs of Blake Corum, but it really felt like Alabama was valuing those points. Michigan was kind of going through the motions, and in the final four minutes, McCarthy puts on his probably best drive of his Michigan career and sets up an overtime victory with putting the ball in Blake Corum's hands, who was the best player on the field for the Wolverines throughout the entire afternoon in Pasadena. So what does this mean for Michigan? I think a multitude of things. Harbaugh has an opportunity to not only win a national championship, but he's one of the four coaches in history to play in a, coach in a Super Bowl and coach in a national championship. It's Barry Switzer, Jimmy Johnson, and Pete Carroll. So that's not bad company. Now, there's a lot of noise with Harbaugh going to the NFL, a lot of noise with where he's his future lies, especially after this battle with the NCAA. I don't know. If they can find a way to win a national title with Michigan and more establish a legacy, I believe he would try to stay and see if he can continue to build on what this brand of Michigan football is. They they have dominated Ohio State in the last three years. They've recruited really well. It doesn't feel like they rely too much on the transfer portal. This is really a homegrown team, and you can let me know in the comments if you disagree with that. But Michigan felt like the homegrown team out of all four of these college football playoff semifinalists and this was finally their year. They've gotten kicked in the face in year one against Georgia. Uh, year two, McCarthy's the full-time starting QB. They lose a game they probably should have won against TCU. And now this year, they go up against a team in Alabama where everyone saw the video of how shocked they were to see not FSU at four, but Alabama, and thinking that was an indication that they were in for a hell of a time at the Rose Bowl. But Michigan, in the end, I thought came out with the right energy and they really played the first the front end and the back end really well, and it ended up being one of the best football games of the year. A different style. I know people don't really love the fact that it was 13 to 7. There was a, really a slugfest, some sloppy football, but I think that when it comes down to it, you really got to watch both coaches trade strategies, trade blows back and forth, not necessarily in your typical Rams-Chiefs Monday Night Football game where they're just tossing touchdowns left and right, but you got to see the small plays, the battle of field position, punters being important, return teams being important. Every aspect, every phase of the game felt like it had an importance and significance to it as you chart throughout the plays or you're on the stat broadcast and you see, okay, this return had an impact. This fumble had an impact with points here. This missed extra point led to an overtime potentially or for Alabama with a chance. This play with Milrow. So it felt like each play had its significance. And to me, I love that. It reminded me of the Super Bowl with it, the, the Patriots and the Rams where it was Belichick and McVay, two completely different styles coaching-wise, but you saw defensive philosophy kind of stand out in an era where we're really more concerned with points and yards and touchdowns. So it was really cool to see yesterday, and I really, really enjoyed that. And more or less on the Sugar Bowl with Washington and Texas, I thought Texas was a little more of a physical football team. I kind of took the mindset of physicality for the game that had more of a fireworks show when you think about what is the biggest story of this game? It's got to be Michael Penix. And I know a lot of people are talking about the Heisman voting should be after <laughs> the uh, most important games of the year. And that would probably mean Michael Penix Jr. is coming home with the Heisman Trophy. It was 29-38, four, over 400 yards, most since Joe Burrow in a playoff game. That's pretty good company, I'd say. Two touchdowns. Probably an opportunity for more, but I think Washington was in, unable to strike a knockout blow to Texas. This felt like a back-and-forth thing, and then Texas couldn't hold on to the football and then Washington couldn't hold on to the game. It was a crazy last two minutes. Washington had total control. There were injuries that involved. There was Quinn Ewers making some unbelievable throws at the end. But I think at the end, Washington's secondary really made a difference. And I think Michael Penix's pocket awareness and just 
man, can he sling it? I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but he is unbelievable with the football. There were points where he was making throws. It was the first, I think, play action drop back of the game where he, the safety, it was either the covering corner or safety had great coverage, and Penix just rainbows it over the top. And there were several examples last night where, and I see a lot of comparisons, and I just want to address it to Mac Jones in Alabama where he's throwing to guys like Waddle and throwing guys to like Devontae Smith, for example, who won the Heisman in 2020 when they won the national championship. This is certainly not the case. The The throws are not exactly the same. You can look at Penix splitting safeties, throwing it in the exact perfect window with maybe inches of separation. He's throwing them in these spots where it's not like, oh, if you put Penix on New England, for example, like where Mac Jones is now, I think Penix would actually thrive because of the way he's able to put his guys in good situations. And so if you get put him on a New England, put him on a team like Atlanta, for example, who actually has the skill positions, Penix could potentially thrive there. And that's the same thing with C.J. Stroud is a lot of people were worried he's got a lot of options. He has a lot of weapons. He has a lot of time at Ohio State. How is he going to manage a mess at Houston? Comes in and puts the ball in the right window every single time. One of the best QBs come out of the rookie class. I think he's probably a top 15, top 10 quarterback already. I think Penix has that it factor to him as well, where he's very just unbothered, it looks like. It felt like there were times where receivers were dropping balls or there was a little bit of miscommunication. Completely the same face the entire time. Never too high, never too low. I was really impressed with him. We've known who he's been all year. He's an elite quarterback, and he's going to be a really interesting prospect given the history with his medical injuries and the fact that he's a slightly older prospect than the most. But just just talk about Texas real quick. I think you may be disappointed in the result and that there was a lot of maybe calls you thought went against you. What a year it was for Sark and the final year of the Big 12 heading to the SEC, playing Alabama on the road really thrashing them, and we thought that was going to be the eventual national championship rematch. Whether it's Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning next year, I think Texas has all the tools with the way they have their brand and the way they have this NIL and transfer portal thing worked out to really be successful in 2024. And so, I mean, like Washington and Texas, too, conferences are moving all over the place, and I really can't wait. And just some final thoughts before we get wrapped up here. I know it's a shorter episode, but I wanted to at least get my quick thoughts out. Washington and Michigan. I think I'm going to take Washington to win this football game. I think when it comes down to it in these championship games, do who do I trust more, J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix? I think Penix is the best offensive line in the country. I think he's got the best skill position group in the country, and I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the country, if not for Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, and Drake May. He's, in any other year, it feels like he'd be a top five pick in the draft. He'd be the best quarterback in this class, but he is with generational talent around him, so he kind of takes a little bit of a step in the shadows. So for Michael Penix, I think it's another opportunity in Houston for him to shine. I thought Washington wasn't a prisoner of the moment. They really came out there and really got it done. I think this is going to be two teams where we're used to it being Georgia or Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State in these moments, and they've been there, done that. These are two teams that haven't necessarily been in this stage. So I think it's going to be interesting to see which team is in a prisoner of the moment and takes advantage of that situation and tries to get things going. The way both teams started yesterday, I think we could be in for another fireworks show. I think both teams present a little more physicality than I originally thought. So I think we could see either our national championship that is high-flying, high-scoring, like maybe 2015, for example, with Clemson, Alabama, or we could see more of a physical matchup like Georgia and Alabama in 2021. I think we could get the best of both worlds, and I'm really excited to it. I'm going to take Washington 28-24 to over Michigan, and I think that the West Coast is going to get a national championship. First time, it feels like in a very, very long time. 
but I'm going to take Penix, the best quarterback currently left. And I think that makes my decision very easy. So guys, if you enjoyed my quick thoughts on the college football playoff, I'm going to take Washington to win the national championship. Leave your predictions and your thoughts on the game down below. Thank you so much for watching. If this is a tagline to an interview, you're going to get ready for an interview with Patrick Driscoll right here, or you can stay tuned for episode 149 coming out tomorrow. I don't know how it's all going to work yet, but I'm hoping that regardless, it's the best for you. So guys, thank you so much. Take care and enjoy the interview.